Excuse me. Tonight on the show, we have an amazing guardian. He is considered one of the best crucible players out there. Am I? In Excuse me. What? Community. Well, are are you not? I okay. Listen, I help people, but I don't. I would never, ever in a million years classify myself as one of the best. Okay. Well, he's he's good enough to be the part-time crucible doctor. He's a Destiny 2 YouTuber, extremely humble guy, one of the nicest guys in the community. He is crushing it, uh, and we're, we're so, so blessed to have him on the show. He is joining us uh, from, where are you from? Sunday. Canada, Toronto, Canada. Canada. Okay, he's from and, Canada. And I just want to say thank you for that intro. It is a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me. Um, it's an honor. And uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not that good. <laughs> he is. He is a part-time crucible doctor, but full-time crucible daddy. Yes. We're gonna learn more why. Okay. On the show, when we're gonna put Ascendant Nomad on the hot seat tonight for our discussion with the Guardians. But Guardians, we're not done yet. We got my good friend and mod, Arc Storm. Got a name change, a rebrand. How are ya? It's, it's great to have you, my friend. Happy Thursday. Happy Twab Day. Yeah. Happy, happy Twab Day. Happy Thursday, Guardians. Uh, welcome to the Destiny Show, episode 102. I can't believe we made it. Uh, and uh, we're going we're gonna to be diving into a lot of things tonight on the show, and I hope you Guardians are ready. Tonight on the podcast, we're going to dive into weapon changes that are coming with Destiny 2, Season of the Haunted, we have Bungie Day coming next week. We're going to make some predictions about that as well. And we have the state of destiny, the past, the future, the present. We're going to talk about all of that on the show tonight. But first, we're going to put our guest, Ascendant Nomad on the hot seat tonight. We're going to learn much more about Ascendant Nomad, who he is, what he does in our community, and so much more. He is a Destiny badass, and we're so, so excited to have him on the show. Ascendant Nomad, to kick things off, how did you get started in the Destiny community? When did you first start playing the game? I started with the Alpha. Destiny 1 Alpha back in, when was it, July 2014, I want to say? Or 15, 14, yeah. So right at the very beginning, I was very into Destiny because of the, the Halo connection with the Bungie. I was very, very excited from what I saw at the E3 uh, reveals. And I was just excited. New system, PlayStation 4, launch title, just fully into it. And... It was, yeah, I fell in love from, from the minute I, I stepped foot in the Cosmodrome. And, that, and I just knew that was it. This is, my, this is my game. Vanquisher 8 was my first like main weapon. It was an auto-rifle from New Monarchy. And um, yeah, I haven't really looked back since. And since then, since, since the Alpha, just like, just enjoyed myself as a player for a very, very long time. And then I, you know, I, I, I started looking for clans, started looking for friends to play the game with, 
because my initial group of friends sort of burned out on it and they they didn't like the grind of it they didn't like the dark below which was a very poorly received expansion at the time they didn't stick around for house of walls which started turning things around and then taking king which really turned things around um so i started looking for friends in the game and um you know, the, in the eventually found a clan, and this clan was really, really bad at PvP, and I liked them a lot. I liked them as people, so I offered to help them to get better at PvP, and it worked. And then I found a community called Destiny Sherpa, uh, the, the the subreddit um, that helps people get better at the game through, like, they help with raid helps and dungeon helps. And but back in the day, it was just raids. We didn't have dungeons uh, in Destiny One, and I was a King's Fall Sherpa. King's Fall was the raid from Destiny 1 which featured Oryx, the Taken King. And I would help people through that. And people said I was really good at teaching. And I actually enjoyed PvP more than PvE. So I thought, okay, what about this Crucible Sherpa subreddit? What, what's that about? Um, so I went there and I started offering my my time and my services to people who wanted to get good at Crucible. And that's how it all kind of began is because the the whole crucible doctor thing was a tag given to me by somebody that i helped um very informally which then i co-opted to be this thing um because my whole style of teaching is that when it comes to crucible when it comes to coaching what i do is i diagnose what's wrong with your game so you and i will do a 1v1 you'll tell me your fps history you'll tell me uh how you like to play what's your favorite subclass what's your weapon what's your uh you know preferred modus operandi for being in the crucible whether you like to stay back go forward or be somewhere in between and then based on all that and based on your performance and then reviewing your gameplay i'll have a look at how you play and then i will tell you exactly what's wrong with you <laughs> and then how you can improve it from there and then some guy that i helped i don't know 2015 2016 or something like that he said dude you're like a you're like a doctor and i was like hey that works so that's where the name came from. I, I find it really interesting. You mentioned that you started out doing uh, Crota Sherpas, right? No, oh. Oryx Sherpas. Or, or Oryx, I'm sorry. Yeah, King's Hole. Now, how does one transition from doing PvE Sherpas to PvP? Well, it's the same tenets, really. It's just the difference is that the raid is not as dynamic an environment as the Crucible ever could be. Because you have a finite number of variables in a raid, you have a finite number of of things. You have to understand what is going on with the raid. You have to understand how it's going to affect you and how you can help your uh, your your liege, <laughs> your student, uh, conquer this challenge. And the crucible is the same way, except there's a lot more to think about. So when it came to that, initially I said, okay, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, and that wasn't very good advice because there's so much you should do and there's so much you shouldn't do. So when it comes to the crucible, a much more tailored approach is, 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 is important. Whereas PVE definitely feels like this is the activity. You either rise to this challenge and you finish this or you don't do it with crucible. There's more than one way to play. So, and finding which way to play and finding how to play that way really depends on the guardian itself, the person who's behind the controller or the mouse and keyboard. So, adapting the style from going from pve to pvp it's really just an understanding of the, the different environments and the different challenges that people face and being very upfront with them and saying listen this is going to be a lot harder than 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 raids this is going to be a lot harder than anything but if people are seeking crucible help they kind of inherently already understand that um so th you know the, the the job becomes easier from there 
That makes total sense. And you mentioned that you were part of the Alpha in yes. Destiny. How did you get into the Alpha? How does one become part of that? I mean, Bungie was a pretty big company even back then, coming from It was Hill a public Reach. thing. I think it was, I was, it was like a, I can't remember how the Destiny 1 Alpha came about. I didn't have to do anything special. I, I think I just like put an email somewhere that I don't know. Um, and then the beta came around, uh, which was public. Yeah, but I remember that. I was part of the beta and that yeah. got me hooked. Yeah, the beta was, was great. I was a Call of Duty guy back then. Yeah. I was doing a lot of Call of Duty. Uh, in fact, I got my blacksmith shader because of a Call of Duty game that I purchased. Right. And back then, when Activision was still part of the uh, Bungie uh, brand, when they were publishing Destiny, um, they were pretty much, you know, doing promotional things together. So I still remember that time. Mm. Um, and I'm curious, you have a very interesting title. Full-time Crucible Daddy. <laughs> Please explain. How okay, does one so, full-time crucible daddy? So I so I think about a month ago I did a card with Frostbolt and uh who else was there? There was somebody else in there. Oh, cool guy. Um and we were like it was just an end of season card, so we were just kind of shooting the shit and just vibing. And you know, it's like wow. Like we were all we were all using pulse I was like, wow, we're all we're all dads here. And and Frostball said, no, 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 you can't call yourself a dad. Do you have kids? No, you, you, you're not a dad. You're a daddy. And that's how it started. I love that. Love that. That's great. And on the topic of PvP, what is your favorite PvP weapon in Destiny right now? Uh, right now... I'm really loving how Ostringer feels. It's it's just the right. It's, it's so it's so subtle, but it's it's just a little bit different from what we're used to. Um, of course, if you're if you've been familiar with Ostringer, it's not news. I mean, it's been around for forever uh, in the franchise. That's just been my recent stuff that I've been using. My f all time favorite weapon in the Crucible is uh, the Messenger. Um, kill killing when kill clip is my role. People really sleep on Kill Clip for that gun, even during the Desperado heyday. Desperado now is still pretty good, but Kill Clip is it just does so much damage so quickly that people don't people don't know how to respond to it. It's like one burst will get you absolutely one shot by 99% of things in the crucible. Um so for that reason, for the surprise option alone, and just for the for the, for the comfort and the safety that Messenger provides, um and how useful it is on, on every form of Crucible, I think that's, that's probably my, my favorite weapon of all time. But right now, I'd give it to Ostringer. I'd also uh, give it to Callus Mini Tool, funnily enough, because it's, it's, it's a deceptively good SMG. And, and, and after today's news, I'm going to be using it a lot more with Mida. So we should be, uh, it should be one of those sleeper picks for the next little while, in the next few weeks. I am definitely going to have to experiment maybe after the podcast because uh, I have a few uh, weapons. I don't know if I have an Ostringer with Kill Clip. Mm. I haven't checked my uh, light.gg, but uh, I have a few hand cannons with Kill Clip. 
And uh, I think I'm sleeping on something that uh, could be a really fun opportunity. Ark, do you have favorite PvP weapon? I know you're, you're pretty big on Crucible too. Okay. Nice. Very good weapon. See, I I'm not as uh intelligent with my um with my gameplay. I fall back on um Vigilance Wing. That's kind of my go-to. There's nothing Getting... wrong with that. It's still a, it's a very, very good weapon. Underrated weapon, I'd say, because it that 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 perk, um, the last stand, I think it's called. Very, very yeah. useful in in 3v3. It's a deceptively strong gun. It's like the in perfect in between, uh, between like your high impacts and your uh, your traditional three bursts, your three nineties, your four fifties, even your your rapid frames. Um, yeah, I find that either I am running and gunning, but it's interesting because it depends on what I'm playing. Because if I'm playing something that's a little bit more competitive, I can't run and gun. I get sniped. <laughs> yeah, uh, oftentimes. But if I'm playing something that's more casual, I feel like I have the liberty to just run around like a 6v6 mode, maybe like Iron Banner. I can just kind of run and gun and shotgun. Uh, I actually have a really, really good. Uh, what is that uh, shotgun from the Iron Banner? It's slipping my mind. The Reese Walker. Reese Walker. Yeah. I do, I've, I've farmed for like weeks to get the race walker and so you're so you're hard. a shotgun ape is this what you're saying yeah uh sometimes okay <laughs> but I'm, I'm i'm an extreme i'm either a shotgunner or you know i need to stay back and right. uh not get too close so you, so you don't hit. have you don't have an in-between mode you, you you're either like full rambo or you're uh you're you're setting up camp yeah and it's been dude it's been like seven years now i feel like i should be getting better at this point so what <laughs> stopped you um I think I don't really play as much PvP overall. I like I'm more of a PvE player. Mm. You know, if I prefer to play something, I will play probably a raid or a dungeon or a nightfall. Uh, so I think that's probably the one thing for me. But also, when I switched to PC, yeah, uh, I never really learned keyboard and mouse. Still, this day, like I have a really nice keyboard and mouse. Uh, I can play in. 160 frames pretty stable but i still have my playstation controller y'all are gonna laugh at me no i mean look it's it's not a it's it's not a prerequisite at all to play pc with mouse and keyboard i mean one of the one of my more recent videos that i did was was uh sorry for the self-plug uh it is called i switched to controller and here's why and i, I am a controller main these days um because i find that the systems in destiny 2 are more favor more favored towards controller players because statistically there's i think 
at least 60% of the players on in this franchise are on console or using a controller as their input method. So things like reticle stickiness, uh, the whole Amos' system, it's all tuned for controllers. So those on controller have a generous amount of help, even against PC players. And there are there was a period of time during this in the scrim community themselves in the scrim scene itself where they considered controllers so strong that they were outright considering banning anybody who uses it. They didn't go through with that, obviously, but they did ban uh, controller users using snipers because it's just you get you get the reticle stickiness. It's almost like an invisible hit detection where it will start pulling the reticle when somebody is behind cover as they slide out it was it's ridiculous the, the systems are so strong once you know what they are and once you know how to look for them and how to exploit them in everyday crucible but that's not really common knowledge and it's not really well known by a lot of people people still don't know how emesis works people still don't know how cones work people still don't know how uh just the mechanics of how controllers how, how the game feels in destiny all they know is this gun feels good this gun feels bad and it, you know, if I if I use last word with controller, it's good. If I use last word with M and K, it's bad. So I'm going to use it on controller. It's it's uh, so obviously that's going to change now with with today's swap. But um, yeah, I just find that it's it's absolutely not necessary to 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 be on M and K and on Destiny two. You brought a really good point because you know I, I play the game sometimes on Xbox. Because sometimes I just feel like playing on the couch. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's almost it's... like you play a video game to relax. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I play Destiny to relax. I really? don't play the game, you know. You, re- you, 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 sir, play Destiny 2 to relax. Have you met this community? Uh, maybe. You gotta be so. angry, man. You gotta be, you gotta be fired up. You gotta be complaining. You got to be pissed off. You have to be absolutely beside yourself with rage at the smallest things. If you want to play Destiny 2, I think you're playing Destiny 2 wrong, mate. Yeah, 100%. You should be taking out a second home insurance line just for your TV. Well, trust me, I've done that. I've been there. Well, I haven't had to buy another TV, but I've had to buy several controllers in fact i have a spare in my mm-hmm. closet for the purpose <laughs> of rage whenever that used to happen it toned it down you know playing okay. the game for eight years now i feel that you you change your relationship with the game as time goes on like and there were times when i was really upset about you know things like vault space or crucible maps or head glitching or this and that and it's like I got to a point where it just there's there's so many things going on in the world where yeah we can just stop and appreciate the game that we have and be like wow like they actually built something pretty cool sure like, yeah we could use more crucible maps but we still have crucible maps to play we still have a pretty solid game that they have put so much time and effort into so I try to approach things from a glass half full perspective I know, and, and this community is really passionate. This community is very vocal, very passionate because we all love Destiny. Otherwise, we would not care. Think about it. How many people are talking about a game like, oh, let's say uh, The Division 2? 
Not, as not much. a whole lot. No, no, not, not anymore. Not as much. I mean, yeah. So we're here because we love the game. But on the topic of Crucible, I'm curious because we, we talked about some things that most people don't maybe know about. Ascendant Nomad, I'm curious, what are some tips that you can share on how to, I don't want to say exploit, but optimize your Guardian to become better at the Crucible if you're, for example, using a controller like myself? I think it's important to realize that nobody, nobody's going to hold you back more than yourself. Like you can have, you can have 60 recovery, 70 recovery, 80 recovery, whatever. Like it's the, the most important thing is, can you hit your shots? Can I'm going to ask you that question, Cornwall. Can you hit your shots? Um, sometimes. Sometimes. Well, sometimes. then nothing I can say will actually make you better. If not, unless you can hit your shots. It's a moot point, right? So your number one focus in the crucible is to hit your shots. And if you can't do the very, if you can't do step one, then step two, three to a hundred doesn't matter. You know, like I can tell you about game sense. I can tell you about rotating. I can tell you about uh, covering your teammates and not baiting them and, and dovetailing with your team and making sure you communicate right. I can tell you all these things, but if you can't hit your shots, which the vast majority of people cannot do in the crucible. Like not talking about people who main PvP, or I'm not talking about I'm not talking about any one group of people or one specific uh subsect of the population. If you cannot hit your shots, no amount of crucible advice will ever help you improve. Because if you can't do that one thing, it, all of crucible advice on the internet is predicated on you hitting shots, or at the very least, statistically hitting more shots than you miss, right? And then the rest comes down to the intricacies of your game. Once you don't have to worry about fighting your weapons to hit your shots, once you don't have to worry about timing your supers to, to, to extract the maximum out of it, once you don't have to worry about any of that, then you can start working on your positioning. Then you can start working in your game sense. Then you can start working on all of that. But the number one thing is learn to hit your shots. And the most important thing is understanding your weapons for that. So the thing that's important for that is that you know, don't, don't try and rain somebody with an SMG, right? Make sure, If you're going to use an SMG, make sure you're within SMG range. If you're going to be using a hand cannon, don't try and be super up close because you'll get killed by a shotgun or an SMG or whatever. And also don't try and use them against scout rifles and snipers because you're going to do no damage. If you're using a pulse rifle, this is the opposite. You want to stay back. You want to play to the range and the strength of the pulse rifle. Playing to your weapon strengths is very, very, very important. And that will help you hit your shots because there are certain sweet spots that your guns work and operate in. And this is very basic stuff. Like this isn't ground shaking, ground innovative advice, but it's still advice people don't follow. And still people think they're better than the game that's in front of them. And they don't respect the limitations that the game places on you. So understand your kit, learn to use it well, and don't miss. Easier said than done, obviously. That's that's really interesting. And you mentioned, you know, just hitting your shots. And I've noticed for me, I can get more of my shots in less competitive modes. But if I'm playing trials, like I go from a 
one 1.0 KD to maybe like a 0.3 if I'm lucky, because I sure. get demolished. Yeah. So how do you get to a point where you can improve in a more competitive environment where you're going up against players who are just more skilled, who, who are more it's careful in their gameplay? And Look, right now, Stead Destiny 2 being what it is, it is tough. No, no, no argument there. The thing is, if you're a one, if you're scraping a one in control, you're not good enough for trials right now, and you have to accept that. Like, yes, should you be able to go flawless? Absolutely. Why not? I'm not saying you can't go flawless. I'm just going to say that's going to be tough for you, and people don't like to hear that. People always come after me when I say that. But hey, do the work, do 50 games. Tell me how many you win. I'll guarantee you probably win less than 20% of your games. So, it's understand. It, you have to understand. That when it comes to when it comes to getting better, you have to take your feeling out of it. You have to understand that, you know, you're gonna be up against some of the best players in the world in trials. So you better iron out every last one of your deficiencies. How do you know what deficiencies do you have? Record your gameplay and watch it. Very simple stuff. Shadow play last 10 minutes. Um you know, capture a game on Xbox or PlayStation 5. I'm not familiar how you do that, but I'm sure there are ways of doing it. Just look back at your games. Look back at, look back at, back at your very best games and identify how you died and how you got kills. Why did you get that kill on that person? How did you shut down that super? Why did you die when that guy was one shot? You know, you have to ask yourself these questions. The more you watch yourself play, the more you'll start to understand who you are as a player. Like, what, what are your strengths as a player? What are your weaknesses? What do you keep getting caught out by? What are things that you do really, really well? And how can you lean into that a little bit more? So understanding who you are as a player is step number one. And then you start coming up with a plan to address some of the deficiencies or to ameliorate your strengths. And the, the really fun part about improving in Destiny 2 is that the solution is actually really, really simple for a lot of stuff. Like if you if you died because you were out of cover, what's the solution? You get into cover. No, there you go. Done. Careful. You've improved. Thank you very much. <laughs> no questions asked. So, I mean, there are different ways to do that. You can just say to yourself, "Okay, every single time I go in, I'm going to be next to a piece of cover." Or you can use more advanced techniques, or or look up a video called the forty sixty rule from Shadow Destiny. And he tells you basically, when you're engaging, whether it's you're peeking out of cover, left or right, 40% of your screen needs to be covered by a wall or an object or something. Because if you get shot, you can quickly step back in and you're not risking being killed. Unless, of course, you're facing off, at some, you're facing off against somebody with a one-hit kill option like a sniper, Lorenz driver or something like that, right? So... You know, so that's positioning. And what what about aim? Looking at your aim. Okay, well, if you can't hit your shots, you need to play a lot more PvP. You need to play a lot more uh, general control because there's a little bit of a safer environment for that. Play PvE with the intention of only hitting crits. That's one way you can do it too. In terms of like training your aim, it's very, very hard to do that on controller on console and even harder to do it on PC too because of everybody else using M&K. But it is possible. And with a lot of people who got good on console, it, it really was just about perseverance and, and 
persistent practice, but also understanding what it is they were practicing. Why did they choose this to practice on? Because they saw themselves or they talked to somebody who told them, look, you're pretty crap at this, this, and that. So this is what you need to improve at. You can do that for yourself by just watching your gameplay. And you'll, when you identify, like when you look at your own gameplay, you'll, you'll specifically pick out moments, right? Moments that you, 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 you lost a fight or you made a mistake or whatever. The key is not to get hung up on those mistakes. The key is to identify patterns between those mistakes. I always step out of cover on this part of the map. I always ego challenge. challenge. I always take too long to reload, you know, or I forget to reload. And then in the middle of a gunfight, I'll run out of bullets. You know, these are, these are everyday stuff that everyday mistakes that everybody makes. So find the pattern, then work on improving it. And once you get to a point where you're comfortable, go back into trials, try it again. If you're still falling a bit short, then you still have things to work on. How, the, the place where you get your feedback to is also very important. The, how you play in control is very different to how you play in trials. If, you're getting, if you say you're a point three at best in trials, you're probably not going to get a whole lot of useful feedback other than, okay, I died, I died, I died, I died, I died. Oh, I died like this this time. I died, I died, I died. That's not helpful feedback because looking at your own feedback, looking at your own game needs to be a, a mixture of positive and negative. You have to ha take the good with the bad. But if you're putting yourself in an environment where you're only getting bad feedback, you're not going to be motivated to improve. So uh, I've gone on a bit there. Was that too long? I this feel like is I've why you are the crucible doctor. <laughs> Thank you. The, you well you're said. welcome. I, I don't know if the, like, any of that made sense, but I just went on a tangent there. You didn't, you didn't shut me up, man. You got to shut me up. No, dude, it totally made sense. You know, being aware of what you're doing, you know, if, if you're being killed, you're in the open, you know, hide more, you know, be more aware, watch, watch your videos. I mean, that's kind of the basics of learning in many ways, like watching what you did right, what you did wrong and adjust. I, I think honestly, for me, I probably didn't take the time to do it because I did not prioritize Crucible as an important aspect of my life enough to where I will take the time to get better. Right. So I, I think you brought up some really, really valid points there. Thank you. Um, like I, with the comes to improvement, like I just find that it's just the, the, the formula isn't hard. It just takes a long time. And that's, that's the thing people are scared about. It's the commitment and the persistency the persistence over time that people are not familiar with. And something I've learned through content creation, through making these videos and, and making so many of them as well, is that very few people actually give two hoots about, you know, actually wanting to get good, like meaningfully really transforming who they are as a person or as a player to becoming capable of weathering any sort of challenge they face. My best videos have always been stuff like, this weapon is really, really good. This build will, 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 uh, or this exotic will, will help you uh, land shots that you wouldn't land otherwise. You know, people are looking for the answer. They're not looking for the, for the journey. They're not, they, they don't want you to show you're working. <laughs> they just want to be told the answer. They want the get win button, the, the how to win button. And that's it. And that's the sad reality of improvement, at least in Destiny 2 anyways.
wise man once told me that sometimes the fun is in the journey and not the destination. And I, I find that to be very valid, at least to me in my life. Of course, but that's you, right? I have data to tell me that 100,000 people think otherwise. <laughs> and that's the demotivating part of it all. Right, isn't it? So you mentioned, you know, you've been doing YouTube for quite some time now. Mm. And I want to go back to a video that you made a couple of years back. And I'm curious, what are your top three? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, tell us about your two second rule of Destiny 2. So the two second rule was something I devised when I came up. Well, it's something I was telling people before, but it really start, started to formulate as a concept in my head after I ran trials with Patty Cakes and Cami Cakes. I found myself that I was like, I was lagging behind uh, when I when I played those two because they're they're both excellent in the game. I, I don't think I need to introduce you to either of them at this point. Um, so I was playing on a warlock. Never heard of them. Yeah, of course not. No, who are they? Small time people, anyways. Now, um, <laughs> I was playing on my warlock. Patty and Cami were doing their thing. I selected warlock because I thought it'd be better for the team. It was better for the team, but I was lagging behind them, and I didn't know why. And I looked over my gameplay, and I found that. I was taking a little bit longer to do things and it really did come down to familiarity with kit and then the movement and everything. Cause it's very different from, from being a hunter main, right? Uh, warlocks are floofy hunters are direct and that was throwing me off a lot. So when I looked back at my gameplay, I looked at, at, at my kit I was unfamiliar. I was insecure. I didn't know which abilities to use when I didn't know where to put a rift down. I didn't know even know how to use a super. And this was during the geomag days, right? The geomag chaos reach days. The, the horror show that that was. Um, and I was okay at it, but that was mostly the super doing the work for me. Um, so when I look back at it, I, I saw that I was standing on my feet a lot because I was taking too long to make a decision in my head. And in trials, you don't have five seconds to make a decision. You only have two seconds to make a decision. You need like half a second, a second max uh, to figure out what you can do. Now, luckily for me, I had Patty and Cammy making the decisions for me, and then I was just like, "Yeah, okay, I'll 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 follow along and uh, do what you say." But it bothered me that I wasn't an equal uh, contributor to that team. I was getting carried, and that really really bothered me. So then the next week, he like for whatever reason, our our, our runs weren't super successful. Then he said, "Hey, let's do it again next week. Maybe we can we can get a little bit better. We're still a young team. We have a lot to figure out about each other." So I said, sure. So then I decided, hey, I'm going to be a hunter now uh, because that's my main and I'm more comfortable on that anyways. And he was like, yeah, cool. All right, let's let's go. And it was pretty much night and day as an experience. Like I, didn't, I, wasn't, th I wasn't thinking, I was just doing. I wasn't uh, deliberating, I was acting. I wasn't, you know, just calling out. I was, you know, being the reason people called out. You know, so it was like a completely different performance on my level. And because of that, the, the team really felt complete and the synergy was really, really there. And when I look back at the games between the two weeks, I noticed that the big thing that was different was the movement and, and, the, and the decision making. Partially because of the map, because week one was Cauldron, week two was Rust of the Land, so you have to move around more. But just the, the, the decision to make a decision, to, the, the decision to... Uh, make a course of to to execute a course of action just came a lot came about a lot quicker the second week 
And that was related to just deciding to move. So I thought to myself, okay, how can I make this a video? And how can I make it in such a way that, that this experience was, was beneficial for everybody else? So I went into normal Crucible. And I don't know if you've ever been to Control after you've done Trials. It's like easy mode because you're so jacked up on, on the adrenaline, the adrenaline of, of playing in Trials that Control almost moves slowly by, by comparison, uh, especially if you've been facing off against really, really good teams. So and I realized what's going on here. I'm moving a lot quicker than everybody else. What's going on? Then I realized I'm not taking seconds. I'm not taking, I'm not, I'm not taking a, a, you know, 10 seconds to make a decision. I'm doing it two seconds or less, you know? And that's when I realized, ah, oh, yeah, okay. This could be a rule. This could be a tenet that everybody, you know, adheres to in terms of improvement. And so I called it the two second rule where I said, if no target if, if I enter a lane and no target enters in my field of view within two seconds or less, I will move away from the current position and take up a new one. So basically, you go, you're in Javelin 4, you go to B to try and fight somebody, you look down that lane inside B, looking into the generator, and you don't see anybody, you have two seconds to find somebody or wait for somebody to come into your lane. If nobody comes there, all right, get up and move. And it was basically a, a rule to promote movement because if you move more in the crucible if you get yourself around the map what happens you are finding more people to fight and if you find more people to fight you're shooting more you're getting more kills you're also potentially dying more but that means you're also learning more you're not staying back you're getting involved and you're helping your team out inadvertently you might also be causing them a massive headache either way the more you find the crucible, the more chances you give to build your own internal database of what works and what doesn't. This is the thing about the best players in, in PvP. Their internal database of what is a good action and what is a bad action is way bigger than people who don't play crucible. Why? Because they have more experience. They have just inherently internalized all of the decisions that work and all of the decisions that don't, all of the situations that work and all of the situations that don't. And they have a plan of attack and a, and a solution for every single thing that they've done that they're going through because they've already done it. People who don't play PvP don't have that. The two-second rule allows them to start bridging that gap. So, that, and That's really interesting. So, based on that... Um, can I ask you something as a follow-up question? Sure. How do you maintain a two-second rule, but also stay alive? Because I, I find that if I'm playing Crucible, oftentimes I, ha I can't really keep moving because of how the other team is playing. Well, this is the thing. Think. Well, here's the thing. is like the two-second rule is there when... It's is basically to remind you, if you're not actively involved in something here move right sometimes you do need to hold position sometimes you do need to wait with your team in a position in an area or a zone or whatever for based on how the other team are playing and that's totally valid the point was basically to get you out of an empty lane it could be you're capping a zone it could be you're waiting for somebody to peek you it could be whatever but basically the two second rule is a bit of a catch-all rule to basically give you purpose 
If you have a clear and direct reason for why you're doing what you're doing, good, keep doing it, even if it means standing still. But if you don't, and you're just scared, snap out of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Interesting. So it's, it's situational. So sometimes, you know, if you're in battle, then you can essentially do what you need to do in order to maintain safety. But if you're not in combat, then keep moving and make it harder for your enemy to get you. Essentially, yes. The main thing, the main thing the two second rule does is it gets you more involved in the fight. And this is very much a rule for designed for control, right? Which is where most people spend their time in the crucible. In trials, the two second rule will get you killed. Why? Mm, potentially. Because by maintaining a two-second rule, you're going to be exposed more often than not, potentially, because you're you're fighting a battle against having cover at all times, and if you're always moving, is that possible? It's that's that's you, I see what you're saying. You're not quite on the right track. Basically, the two-second rule doesn't work in trials because people don't need two seconds to kill you, right? They don't need two seconds. Like if you if you can't find the enemy, and your teammates are doing their thing, right? You play trials. People kind of do their own thing. They go out and they get in, involved. If you wait in a position for two seconds, that's two seconds that you're leaving your teammates exposed. And if, if and if if the enemy team finds your teammates, it's a three v two situation that you're not part of. And is that going to go well? No. Generally oh, speaking, no. Unless you know your your teammates are. Panda and <laughs> Walla, right? Um, so for that reason, you have to adjust the, the rule, the two-second rule, depending on the environment that you're in. For me, in trials, it's a half-second rule. In survival, it's a one-second rule. I don't allow myself the luxury of staying in a lane in trials. If they're in a lane, great. Let's fight. If not, I'm out. Because I don't want to give them any more time than they than they deserve, right? Because if I stay still for two seconds, that is two seconds of me not supporting my teammates in a potential fight. That is two seconds of me not moving to deny rotation for the team so that they have map advantage. That's two seconds of me not uh, generally just being a nuisance, giving getting radar pings, throwing abilities, distraction with Gemini justice, whatever it may be. Two second rule is two seconds of me out of the fight. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. And on that topic, I'm I'm curious. Oh, we had a disconnect. Oh no.
Hello, hello. Hey, sorry about that. I think my Discord crashed. All good. Uh, can you Okay, sorry about that, Guardians. Uh, so we were talking about the Crucible. Um, how does one go from good to great using your two-second rule principle? You, you don't, because at that point, you don't need my rule anymore. Like, my rule, my, the two-second rule is for people who need help not to die every three seconds or, or feel helpless in the middle of a battle or, or just don't know what to do in the Crucible. Good players don't need my rule because they already understand that they need to move. They need to move, they need to get from A to B, they need to get involved in fights, they need to know when to, when to fight, when not to fight, that sort of thing. How to go from good to great? It depends on, on what your metrics are for, the, for, for, for both of those. I think for a vast majority of people, if you can go flawless, if you've been flawless multiple times, you're a good, if not great player. Uh, for the very upper echelons of, of, of sort of like the sweat community and all that, what, what we might see as great to them, they just see as mid or average because their perspective is, is very, very skewed. They're very, very 99th percentile. So they have a hundred different differentiators within that one percentile, not really knowing that they're already at the very, very top of the game. So the perspective is different. And, and because there's no ranked ladder system here, in, in Destiny 2, it's very hard to quantify what is good and what is great. But colloquially, I say, you know, we would consider most PvP content creators to be great at the game in their own different ways. And the main difference between a good and a great player is experience and, and, and time. It's patience and time, unfortunately. Because like I told you about the data bank, right? The, the wealth of knowledge that these PvP players accumulate over time. The difference between a good and a great player is that the, the great player has more data points. They have more, uh, more experience in, in more situations with more different types of weapons and against all sorts of different types of players. And it's very, very hard to pull a fast one on a great player. Like, they've seen it all. A good player will still get hoodwinked, bamboozled. You know, they, they won't know what hit them. A great player will never... A, good, a great player might also get hoodwinked or bamboozled or whatever. But the thing is, they won't get surprised for very long, and they'll adapt to it very quickly. Well said. So, on a slightly different topic, um, what is the one thing that you wish that you knew when you were first getting started in Destiny that you know now? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> oh boy uh, let me think the I think okay this was a recent one okay this the, I'll t this is a big one the charge with light mods and the elemental wells are your friends you should take a minute to understand them because they can really help you out for a long time like I think for a full year I didn't use any charge with light mods and then for a full year after Wells came out, I didn't use them. I didn't know how to spec with them. I didn't know. Don't get overwhelmed. There are people on YouTube to explain it. Find those people, listen to them, and see your enjoyment of Destiny completely transform. 
we found those people. Oh, yeah? Who are they? <laughs> so, and I'll make sure to include the links to their channels in the show notes. But I think this would give our listeners quite a bit of value to know who to follow. Okay. Mactix for PBE. He does GM guides, Nightfall guides. He's just a general PvE wizard. Really, really cool guy as well. I would say follow this one dude who's blown up in the last three months, Plunder the Booty. I swear that's his name. I'm not making that up. His actual name is Plunder the Booty, and he makes really, really interesting build guides for mostly PvE, but I think he's done a couple of PvE ones. For general, like... This is what Destiny can do if your imagination is unlocked. Kami Cakes. He is exclusively PvP, even though he plays all parts of the game. He makes content mostly on PvP. If you want new, if you want coverage on the newest stuff, cool guy. He's relentlessly focuses on the new stuff in the game. He will go back and revisit other things, but. If you want to know if a good weapon is good or bad, or if it, if it's um, you know worthy of inclusion of a build or part of some strategy or whatever, he'll probably have a video up for you. Um, and then generally, just you know, Astacross will will cover stuff. Fallout will cover stuff. They're more general YouTubers, I find. Um, but for the very hyper specific stuff, those are your people to follow. Those are some uh, really great uh, recommendations. And I actually watched a couple of build videos from uh, Plunder That Booty, I think is what his name Plunder is. Plunder That Booty, yeah. Fun name. Uh, maybe we'll have him on the show someday. Uh, might be fun. But I've been really enjoying his uh, videos on uh, Titan builds because I've been experimenting with my Titan. I finally leveled up my Titan, y'all. We made it to... Congratulations. 15... 1583 or 1584 now it's it's i'm getting up there and like my goal is to get to 1590 this season so i'll keep you all posted on that you can do that i can do it i know we we got this uh and Was that right, I, also, something? I, and I also got my hunter leveled up all the way too and <laughs> ironically it took my hunter four hours to go from like 1460 to 1568 yeah what what really how huh Oh, man, I feel like you're going to hate me <laughs> when you hear the luck that I had, the RNG, because literally everything was just helping me. I went to the uh, uh, the clan uh, stewardess, uh, Hawthorne, and I pulled a drop that was like a cloak that leveled up my my power like plus six or plus seven because my cloak was like really, really behind. And that leveled me up quite a bit. And I just kept getting lucky. I kept doing pinnacles, uh, all the dungeons, all the raids, 
one thing that I noticed about the raids, um, the featured raid was not dropping any higher level stuff for me. Even the pinnacle or, or the powerful tier three, that actually dropped at 1560, not at even my base level. Which was interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it's RNG can be a really interesting thing. And uh, I, I definitely think Bungie can optimize the way that our leveling works right now. Um, it's disheartening to play, for example, three Crucible matches, and then you don't get anything that levels you up and you've spent 30, 40 minutes playing to not even progress in the game. And if that happens three, four, five times as you're playing things, it it degrades your experience overall, right? So I definitely think there could be some answer to it, but it, I don't know necessarily what that answer is. Yeah. That would make sense. That would make sense. So, on the topic of this season, what do you both think about the current season in Destiny 2 with Season of the Haunted? It's, um... Sorry, did you want to go first, Mark? Okay. Um, so... I quite enjoy Seasonal Haunted. I think the, the, the PvE side of things has been fairly interesting. The Patrol Zone is definitely the most compelling one we've seen, well, since Shadowkeep, which wasn't very... F not, not Shadowkeep, Witch Queen, sorry. It's very compelling. It's, it's really interesting. There's a lot of different secrets. Uh, they've re repurposed space really well. Um, Nightmare Containment has been actually quite good as well um, as, as an event, even though the like farming it has been a bit of a chore. And I haven't really enjoyed that aspect of things, especially getting the red border weapons and all of that. Um, but in terms of gameplay, kind of the same old, same old, really. Like, the core stuff hasn't really been touched. We're going to have GMs next week. Crucible comes back. Well, Crucible is back. Trials every weekend. Iron Banner in two weeks. It's just like, it feels very much like we're just checking boxes when it comes to the rest of the game. We let the season carry it, but we haven't had any investment into the the core loop of this of the of the game, which you know everything is based off on. We haven't seen updates to that in a very long time, and it's starting to show. Like after about week four of the new season, everyone's kind of done, just mentally. They check out. 
And that's sort of where I'm at too. I think I think it brought up a good point because you're right. It, it seems like we're going through the same actions in the game. And I think part of the problem is that Bungie is playing it safe. Think about the modes that we're getting throughout the year. There's Iron Banner, which, I mean, they're tweaking things here and there, but it's pretty much the same thing that we're continuing to play. There's um, the Solstice event, which is largely the same. Um, we have Trials, which n not many people play Trials. I wouldn't imagine uh, it's you know, a small percentage of the overall community that actually plays Trials. And there's nothing really new. Like, I miss the days when we had Sparrow Racing and uh, back in the beginning, Queen's Wrath, where we had, like, this whole new campaign that was completely different from the same modes that we have been playing for many years now. Like it's that's that's all very well and good, right? Like the, these old events and all that, and and if you brought them back, sure, I'd play them. But it feels like we haven't seen anything anything really innovative since the Witch Queen campaign. And even then, you could argue that the Witch Queen campaign was just a standard FPS campaign. It was good because it was it was good for Destiny standards because it was like the, the standard before was so low. Um, and and every single time we we did a we had a campaign it felt like an extended raid more than anything else um so i don't know it, it it just feels like they're on the right track for sure when it comes to the bringing new stuff into the game but like i th i feel like they're a bit scared because they're, they're not sure if they want to drop this sort of thing mid-season and then deal with all the fallout from the feedback or if they're queuing it all up for lightfall or maybe they're deciding to just let it go until whatever happens after lightfall because then you have the final shape as well coming soon. So and you you let the core experience go for two years, then revamp it with the new whatever the the whatever the direction. Sorry, what? Right, because the exact that's the word. Thank you. Do you, do you revamp it when the new saga? Do you let it ride for two years, or do you take a make a concerted effort to actually revamp this sort of thing now before it gets too late? And I don't know. It's 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 a difficult situation because, you know, we're it feels like every season, you know, people go on podcasts or they go on Twitter or they go on social media, and it's the same things we're saying. We've been saying for about a year, year and a half, maybe even two years, and I don't know. I'm just a bit. I personally am just. Uh, I'm just a bit tired of it. To become to be completely honest, to, to be playing the same old, same old. Yeah. You know, and I, I think you made some great points and I am very much with you. I feel the fatigue. Like, I think the menagerie to me was very innovative. That was really, really just unique and different and really cool. After that, I think that Bungie has been playing it safe largely. Uh, and. I believe that Bungie already has a plan until Lightfall, at least. Sure. Yeah, um, they, they and they're not going to deviate from that plan. Like they're not going to change the plans that they have in place up until that time. 
I do think it's interesting that Bungie is investing into hiring so much now. Because, I mean, this indicates where the future for the company could go beyond the current roadmap that we know. So I think this could be an indication of what we could potentially have next. Um, or at least how much investment will be put into it. And I think that we know now it's going to be pretty, pretty conser- considerable, especially with um, Sony's acquisition of Bungie earlier this year. Yeah, I think and the two are unrelated, though, because they were on a hiring spree before the Sony news. Um, you're right, but I do think that after the Sony acquisition, they had more uh, revenue to hire at a more accelerated rate. Sure, uh, the capital injection definitely would have smoothed things along, especially with respect to their European operations. They're starting to hire for things for positions in Amsterdam, um, which which is very interesting. Um, but we don't know how much of, of the hiring is going towards Destiny 2 and how much of it is is uh, um, bolstering employee turnover, which is something that, that you don't really hear much about uh, as a result of non-disparagement clauses or, or just the general nature of game development being what it is. And how much of it is going towards a new IP? You know, so there's a, if I'm Bungie, there's a, there's a bunch of different aspects to the whole hiring. It seems like it's a lot more visible to people online because the higher ups are retweeting and liking and commenting and engaging with all the new hires more so than they ever did previously there's definitely a feel-good sentiment around bungie right now but i don't know if that's to do with with the product itself or if it's a shift in policy there's a million different million one different reasons as to why you know it is the way that it is yeah that being said that being said, I, I do hope it's all for for Destiny 2, and I do hope it's not towards a new IP. And I do really, 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 really hope that it's going towards continuing improving Destiny 2. Um, but, you know, as, a, as creators, we can only sit here and speculate, so. Yeah. So, moving to a slightly different topic, we know that Grandmaster Nightfalls are on the way. And I'm curious for the both of you, what are some things that Bungie can do to make Grandmaster Nightfalls more fun and interesting for you?
the activity itself needs to be fun, right? So whatever the, the situation is right now, I think there's a lot of people who would say Grandmasters are fun. I personally quite enjoyed in Grandmasters, but I can see why people think they're stale, and I, I definitely get the champion hate. I, I don't like them at all. I think they're bullshit. Um, so one thing that could be cool, it would be a disaster, but it would be fun to think about, um, is the reintroduction of prestige mode locked loadouts. You guys remember Prestige Leviathan, Eater of Worlds, Spire of Stars? Yes, I remember that. Yes, I imagine you do away with the champions completely, and then you're locked. To, you're locked into uh, using an SMG, like a Void SMG and a Kinetic Auto or something like that. And then just to just to make it more interesting, just to make it more interesting, you have different shields. Either you design the encounter so that the shields rotate depending on the locked loadout, or there are different like certain points in the map, in in the strike itself, where you can step into it and suddenly you can melt all shields, so you don't you don't feel limited by the, being locked to a certain selection. Um, that could be one way to do it. Another way you could do it is you could do away with match game, lock the loadouts, and have a timer, like twenty minutes or less. Go. But everybody still has the same amount of health, so you have to be fast and you have to be calculated, and it has to be a challenge. And I think that would be really, really that'd be an interesting alternative mode to to Grandmasters. I think Grandmasters as they are, are are a good challenge for most people. But if we had different ways to up the ante in exchange for guaranteed loot or even double loot, I think people play would play the hell out of that. It's all. It all comes back to the loot, uh, fundamentally. Like it's all about the loot. Trials got better. Why? Because it was the loot. The loot got updated. You know, like the core playlists get get farmed. Why? Because there's loot in them. And now with the with the new uh, with the new change they made, where you reset your rank and you can roll double perks, people are playing the shit out of these core activities now. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think you mentioned uh, you mentioning loot that is a really important thing in destiny and i think at the end of the day you know i think having more loot alone will make the experience more fun and more farmable for players like imagine if you got a guaranteed exotic every time that you played but that exotic had an extra perk for example as you mentioned that's a popular thing in the game yeah. to have that extra perk some incentive and then maybe you get you know one of the curated um nightfall weapons and there could be 20 or 30 of them that you can get and they can roll with high stats and things that would incentivize players to continue to play these activities i think that would make it more fun i think the challenge there um i also wish we had leaderboards you know, that's something that I always really wanted to have like a nightfall cool, leaderboard yeah. where you have that incentive to chase that ladder. Like, think about what we had in Call of Duty with uh, zombies. You had like yeah. a whole leaderboard system. I think something like that could be quite fun.
Yeah. Now, here's another idea. And this is something that Bungie did with Halo Reach. They essentially had like a leveling system where as you level up, you get different titles in your name, and maybe they can associate your title somehow to that, although they're doing that with seals, so I don't know how that would both work uh, together. Um, but I remember I spent quite a bit of time playing the game and getting XP to get to uh, purchase the Flaming Helmet in Halo. And that was a really fun incentive to play the game. And I think they can really, each season, create something that is incentivizing you to do that. I mean, they're kind of doing that with the leaderboard, with the seasonal ladder, right? The season pass. Kind of, but it's just, it's sort of just a, a grand pissing contest for anybody who does care about that sort of thing. It doesn't really mean anything. A leaderboard would, you could argue, would be the same thing, but at least there'd be an actual achievement tied to it rather than just yeah. bounty farming. Yeah, I think the bounty farming, oh man. Oh, bounty farming. So a couple things on that. I think the percentage of the community who are content creators who are helping others who would benefit from that specific feature, probably a fairly small percentage of the overall community, right? So you should consider that, right? Um, but no, I, I get that. And I mean, bounties, are you having fun? Are you having fun doing bounties? Okay. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah, but I was going to play the game anyways. Sure. That okay, sh sure, but that that sounds like something you you do regardless, right? Like you don't need ba bounties are just a feature of of just coming onto Destiny and shooting the shit with your friends, right? It's not 
the thing it's not the content it's just sort of like a like a cherry on top more than anything else right sure yeah absolutely whatever makes whatever makes sense to you and whatever's fun for you of course i'm never going to deny that for me personally i don't see bounties as as outright content as it were but um like uh, it's it it's again this is one of those conversations we'll have over and over again about the power leveling and and how to uh how to make it better and the bounty grind is for most people is very very unenjoyable unfortunately yeah and um, i think arc brought up an interesting point that you know he's enjoying bounties because for me i also i'm in the camp of just i'm tired of them because like here's an example I have to consciously remember to go to the tower, visit all of the different vendors, make sure I have the currency available and keep buying that and expires in 24 hours. It feels more like a chore versus if you want me to get a thousand pulse rifle kills, just have me do that. But I shouldn't have to go grab bounties to get credit for it because I should just play the game and get credit for it as I play, right? Like... Think how you progress with your seasonal challenges. Like it's kind of an instantaneous thing. You don't have to go and pick something up that expires in 24 hours. It just seems like it has overstayed its uh, welcome for me, at least. But I certainly do respect uh, Ark's uh, opinion as well. And Rocky tends to agree as well. So, moving on, uh, while Rocky shares his opinion very thoughtfully, what do you do, uh, Nomad, when you're not gaming or creating content? What do you do IRL? I'm usually... Well, right now I'm in the middle of moving countries, so that's my been my thing that I do when I'm not doing either one of those two things. So I'm in the middle of selling off everything I own. I'm in the middle of sorting out flights. I'm in the middle of securing uh, a viewing for a place we want to rent. I'm doing all of that. So I'm I'm doing adult, adult real life, big boy things. But it, on a normal day, when I'm not doing that, I like to read a lot. I enjoy that. I enjoy reading, uh, I'm trying to get back into fiction because I used to, I've been reading nonfiction for the last like 15 years and it's, it's a weird thing when you read nonfiction, it feels like your imagination shrinks because you're only dealing with what is and not necessarily with what could be. So it affects you creatively as well. If you consume nonfiction, you'll have nonfiction type conversations, be attracted to nonfiction type uh, content and generally deal in absolutes and reality rather than talking about and rather than dreaming and and thinking about a better tomorrow and thinking about how to be more creative and, and make your own content better so for those reasons i'm trying to stay away from nonfiction. i was re the last nonfiction thing i wrote uh, read was uh barack obama's biography which was autobiography which was really really good really really well written um but now just making my way through the brandon sanderson novels um which one what was the name of it i still don't know the that the way of kings that's what it's called i just read the book i don't look at the titles uh 
So just reading that right now and uh, watching TV, watching TV with the lady. That's that's sort of my main two things. And swimming. Those that's my that's my life. Now you know everything about me. Wow. Well, good luck to you with your move. It sounds like a big undertaking. Moving is always kind of a difficult. I, I don't enjoy it. Well, it's my fourth time doing it. Wow, four times. Man. No, sorry. One second. Let me count this. One, two, three, four, fifth time. My apologies. Oh, man. Well, good luck to you there. How, how big you. is your house? Because, I mean, that can, that can be a very different thing. For me, it's a, luckily a one-bedroom. I have to move if I, I have to move. I can fit all my clothes into one suitcase. I don't have a lot of stuff. Uh, my, okay. my, my material possessions are basically a, a bookshelf full of books. Uh, my setup, so three monitors and um, a, a small form factor PC. I'm taking the PC with me. I'll sell off the monitors, get new ones there because the power standard is different in Europe compared to North America. So they wouldn't work there anyways. Or maybe they would, but I don't want to risk it. Um, and then a bunch of like little bits and bobs, little accessories, PlayStation five and an instrument and some backpacks. I, I, I don't have a lot of stuff. I've never really have had a lot of stuff. Not that I have been poor or anything like that. And I haven't been, um, you know, hard, like I'm, I'm not someone who's experienced a phase of my life where I couldn't afford things. I've been very privileged and I've been very blessed in that manner, but I'm just somebody who doesn't need a lot of stuff. Um, so for, for that reason, um, I, I live a pretty pared down life and I like it that way. Keeps things simple. Well, that sounds exciting. And moving to the States, that's, that's a big, that's a really big trip for you. Europe, not States. Oh, you're, you're moving to Europe? Yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I'm moving to Europe. Um, I'm moving from, I'm moving from, because I was talking about the differences between North America and European power standards, right? They have uh, 240 volts over there, and here it's 120 volts. So I'm moving to Ireland. Um, oh, and, okay. Because my fiance is from Ireland, so we're going to be move, moving to her home country. Well, that sounds really exciting, and good luck to you. Thank you. That's really awesome and on on the, on the next thing um for the next question that we have for you um was there ever a time that you had to overcome a challenge throughout your time in the destiny community and how did you overcome it I don't think, I think all the challenges in the Destiny community, they, I to, see, that's a weird question. I Like, this is, like, the Destiny community isn't a challenge. It's not, like, I haven't tried to be canceled or anything like that. There have been some people who have said, well, you're not a real doctor. You look at your stats. And th th that's not an argument. Like, do, do you have to be the best at something to teach it? No, not at all. Never have been. Not in the history of anything. Um, so that wasn't really a challenge. That was just children being children. But with, with the Destiny community, I don't see it as a challenge at all. And I, and I, and I don't want to treat it as a challenge. I just, because everybody is generally quite cool. 
Um, I say, you know, obviously they're bad people and, and you stay away from them, you block them, you filter them out and you, you curate your space so that they don't enter it. But in terms of a challenge from the Destiny community, no, the, the only person that I've, th that has given me a challenge is myself because I should be like by my own admission, I should be a much bigger content creator than I am right now, but I haven't been because either I made the wrong videos or made the wrong decisions, or I spoke about the wrong thing at the wrong time, or I was just plain lazy. Um, and that's something I still struggle with today. Um, so my biggest challenge is me and that's still ongoing. And I don't think there's, there's any one opinion. There's, there's not one personality. There's not one situation. I found myself in the Destiny community where I felt like this was a huge, this is, this is going to warrant a huge amount of mental energy to deal with. Cause if the, if social media is too much, I regularly take breaks from it. Um, if, if, if the game itself is too much, I'll take breaks, breaks from it. No, I'm, 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 did I, did I answer your question? I feel like I didn't answer your question at all there. <laughs> well, no, you did because, uh, you, you mentioned something really important and it's that, you know, your challenge is yourself just you know, doing the things that you need to be doing to get to the next level in your career, in whatever you're doing as a player, as a content creator, as a person, right? Yeah. So I think you definitely answered that pretty well. Okay, um, good. And now in terms of in-game, I'm curious, was there ever a time when you thought something was out of reach and then you finally did it? whether it be a raid or a dungeon or maybe a solo flawless, some challenging feat that you had to really struggle to overcome and then you finally had that accomplishment. Two things. Uh, Shattered Throne Flawless uh, was the, probably the, the biggest one on the PvE side because I always make stupid mistakes in these flawless runs, or I used to. And that was always like, I think I spent about six months trying to get that right, and then I did it. Uh, and that was a very, very happy moment for me. The, I think PvP-wise, double, double carrying to Flawless uh, in the Flawless pool was a big achievement for me. I really liked that. But I think the biggest one that, that tops all of those combined is getting Not Forgotten uh, pre-Shadow Keep. So this is when you needed like a 36-game win streak to to get 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 to 5500 or something like that, something crazy you had to play an ungodly amount of games and it was matching purely on win count so you're matching people across the other side of the world uh it was just a hard time like getting to 5500 was a genuine struggle every single season uh and and that's before they changed it where they made the lower ranks a lot more generous and then they made the higher the higher ones a little bit more gen more generous than they were being um so yeah, I would say Not Forgotten was the biggest one because I saw people with Redrick's Claymore and I was like, I'm never going to be that good. Then I saw Luna's Howl being used against me and I was like, I need this weapon. I need it so badly. I'm going to do it. And I did it. And it was great. That's really cool. You know, I, I think for me, uh, getting Not Forgotten was also a really big accomplishment. Yeah. And largely for one reason it wasn't really the fact that i got it because overall i felt that i got carried 
by Reb, <laughs> essentially. But sure. there was one match towards the end where they both died, and I was the only one left going up against, I, I, would, I think, two enemies. And normally, when I'm put in that situation, even 1v1, I don't do very well. But something happened. It was like the second to last match before we actually got it. And I popped a super. I killed both enemies. And then like I, I punched and it killed both of them. And I was like, wow, match one. And that felt so freaking good to like actually help and be able to do that, even if it was like a one off experience but i will never forget that one time that i played and um actually helped us get the wallace and uh that was the time that i also got not forgotten which is really cool Well, I think it's more a matter of, you know, skill and consistency. Like it's 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 cool to do something once and you're learning in that regard. But I think there's a difference between being skilled at something and like being really good and being able to do something consistently versus being in that learning phase. And I think that for me, I'm I'm very much still in that learning phase where it's like on rare occasions, I have my moments of greatness, but, you know, it's not something that I consistently have or took the time to really develop if I'm really honest with, you know, what I've been focusing on in game as a player. So we're going to move on to a, a different topic on the subject of the state of Destiny 2. But before we do Ascendant Nomad, I'm curious, what is next for you in your Destiny journey? What can we expect from you in the year ahead? Um, more loot videos, I think. <laughs> more weapon rankings, more weapon reviews, more ways to play the game better, I guess. Like, I'm getting to this point where I'm, I'm giving up on PvP entirely. 
And so I don't want to make content for PvP anymore because I enjoy playing it, but I know most people don't. And for those who really do watch PvP content to see this gun being destroyed and whatever, my whole thing, my whole brand, my whole presence is all about adding value. And I don't think I'm used to anybody mediocrely playing PvP. You know, I'm not, I'm not like, I might do the odd live commentary here and there where I explain my thought process behind certain actions I take, but I'd rather provide a service to the community and that would be in the form of weapon reviews and making people informed about how the sandbox really plays out and how these changes that are coming actually affect the game and translating a whole bunch of different things to everybody. So for that reason that like we've been transitioning for the last about three, four months now to hardcore, just loot, loot, loot videos, mainly weapon videos. And it's been going all right. So we'll keep doing more of it. Um, but yeah, I would love to I would love to come back to PvP. It really just depends on what the game is at this point. Very cool. And Ark, what about you? You got your rebrand done. You got a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. What's what's going on with you? Very cool. Well, good luck to you uh, with your journey. I know you're doing a lot and uh, you um, are starting a new career and a lot of really cool stuff behind the scenes. So good luck to you there. And Ascendant Nomad, your content is really, really top notch. Like I, Thank you. I wish I found your content sooner, honestly, because I, I think your <laughs> videos are very well, well done. And I'm excited to see what's next with your YouTube career. I really enjoyed the uh, videos that I've watched this week from you. And um, I'm excited to see what's next because I definitely need uh, to optimize my builds after taking a little bit of time away from the game. And now I'm kind of getting back to it, getting, getting caught up with a lot of different things and leveling up my characters. So exciting times there thank you so so much for sharing that and guardians we have a couple more things to talk about tonight on the show we have the state of destiny the game a fun topic to talk about we come back to it i would say pretty regularly 
And I think with us having a pretty slow time in Destiny, it's a good time to revisit what do we think of Destiny so far, especially with you all being here as OGs from Destiny, from the Alpha. That's like eight years. Insane. So the first thing I'm curious about is what do you both think about the current state of Destiny the game? Do you love it? Do you hate it? And why? Mark, Simon, do you want to take this? Do you want to go first? Oh, I'll tell you. Sorry, I'll go first. Yeah. Um, current state, I, I really do enjoy it still. I think it's a really good game. I keep coming back to it. And I'm, I'm one of those people that will play Destiny pretty much every week, at least. You know, I wouldn't probably, probably wouldn't say every day, but definitely a couple of times a week at the, at the very minimum. Even when it's dry, even when it's bad, uh, I'll always come back to it. Just because it's it's just sort of it's it just ticks every box for me. Um, aside from the PvP, which is uh, low key tragic, but <laughs> um, the rest of it, it it's it's very good. And fundamentally, guns go guns go pew pew, and the pew pew feels good. So I'll be back. I'll be I'll be coming back every time. I like I like the feel of it. I love where the story is going. The story's never been better. Uh, I like that they're finally bringing the lore into the game instead of hiding it away from the viewer. Now, if you wanted to look up the lore, you look up the lore books, you read the lore books, it's added content. It doesn't feel like you're 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 missing out by not reading it, right? Because they're they're really putting a lot of it into the into what you see and play physically in front of you instead of it being treated like sort of a uh, a child from an extramarital affair that you hide away whenever the <laughs> the parents come around. So. For that reason, I think from the PvE side things, story side things, it's it's, it's never been better. Uh, PvP, PvE gameplay-wise, it's starting to feel a bit stale. PvP gameplay-wise, it's it's really, really bad, uh, especially with the changes to movement and airborne effectiveness, which is going away or or being reduced a little bit. Sliding, jumping, like, I don't know what the identity of this game is trying to be in PvP. They said they wanted to go back to weapons, and then they gave us ability-centric everything, healing nades, uh, invisibility. And then God knows what else with with Arc point three point oh, it's in, it's got a bit of an uh, identity crisis at the moment. I find in terms of just the core gameplay, but at least the story is very very clear about where it's going, and the story drives it all forward. So for that reason, I think it's in a pretty good state, and I think most people enjoy it. Um, very very easy to forget that the people on social media represent less than one percent of the playing population. So yeah, for me, I think it's fine. It could be better, though. That's well said. And, you know, you mentioned something really important that only 1% of the population. I don't know if that's the exact amount, so don't take it as a sign. It's 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 something small like that. It's a small percentage relatively versus all the players that play the game. So you have to take the data that you're getting from players on twitter with a grain of salt because you know that does not represent even um significant percentage of the overall player base what about you arc what do you think about the current state of destiny
Yeah, I, I think you brought up some really good points. Um, the repetition in the game definitely feels like a bit much at the moment. Like you go into missions and it feels like every week you play the same mission almost, but then there's a different story at the end. But still, I don't want for it to feel like I'm playing the same thing. And I think that there has been a little bit too much of the leaning in that direction, especially with the seasonal content. So I don't know if there's a good balance that could be had between, you know, making it sustainable for the developers because i do understand creating new content is not easy but i definitely think there could be a better balance between that now and in the end i mean i think for me i i think pvp has definitely needed a lot of love and attention that it just hasn't really been getting uh, so I definitely think that it's a very valid concern um, for a lot of pl players, especially those who really enjoy PvP in the game, uh, because I think that PvP is the staple of what Bungie and Halo and Destiny has been about, you know, from the very beginning. So I definitely think that there needs to be a greater focus on that. In fact, Luke Smith um, did an interview a few weeks ago, and he stated that the team has largely focused more on the PvE side. And we can definitely see um, that in the content cadence that we're getting in the game. And I do enjoy that too. I do enjoy, especially the end game content that we're getting. I like the variety between being able to play all the old raids and play the new raid and have the dungeons. I definitely feel like there's a good balance there. Um, so I definitely want to see more of that. And it's really cool to see that Bungie is leaning more into allowing us to play our power fantasy. Like think Solar 3.0 the upcoming arc 3.0 um i i think these are all exciting things that the game is is doing very well in my opinion Bro, have you seen Halo Infinite? Have you been seeing what's going on with them? <laughs> this is not a good call.
No, dude, they 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 definitely placed a test up, but I think you you might have franchise fatigue at this point. So, you, yeah. you know, you know, I I almost wish that Bungie could just like charge more money and hire tr- more people. And they can absolutely money. charge more money. They can hire more people. They can do all of that. They're just choosing to go this particular direction because it works for sure. most people. Well, sure. I think I think for for a lot of people, including yourself, Ark, I think you might have to ask yourself a really hard question, which is. Is this is the way Destiny is going for me anymore? Or is this the, what I like and is this what I want to spend my time on? Um, and if you do, I mean, yeah, definitely. That, good for you. You have fun. Great. Um, but it also, like, we have to, we have to ratify the, the cognitive dissonance between sending, spending, choosing to spend, electing to spend time on something that we then come back and away from and say, well, actually, that was bad. Yeah, but you voted with your time. So clearly it wasn't bad, you know? And that's I mean, voting I, with your time, and that's good. I, I think taking breaks is healthy. I think, if anything, it's unhealthy to play one game for eight years and not play other games and take time away. Right? I, I just think it, it's natural to do that. So give yourself that time. And for me, my philosophy is if I'm not having fun, I'm just going to go do something else. Right? And... Sometimes it's to a flaw because, you know, you do miss out on opportunities as a creator, at least. But if I'm having fun, I'm here. If I'm not, I'm not. Because life is too short to to live doing something you're not having fun doing. So moving on. Uh, on the topic of Crucible, did Bungie abandon Crucible? I mean, straight up, what do you both think? It's hard to argue that they are keeping up with it. It's hard to, it's very easy to argue that they abandoned it. There's a plan that we don't know of. That's my working theory. 
And until they show us what it is, you have to look at what the what you what's in front of you, and what's in front of you is not good currently. And I think they know that too. So I just hope that the plan is good, and I hope that it comes to fruition a little bit sooner than later because it's been a long time since we heard from Joe Blackburn about uh, the plans for PPB. It's coming up on a year exactly, uh, coming into July now. Um, and he made the tweet thread in August, like, let's talk about PvP, and then they never talked about PvP for the rest of the fucking year. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, I think, I, I think based, I think you're totally right, Ascendant. Um, not having more information about Crucible is definitely concerning, and I don't mean information about things that are currently in the game like iron banner trials but like real long-term changes and progress in crucible that will really make make it an experience that people want but also will show players that bungie is really invested in it there hasn't been that and that makes me wonder is the future of destiny largely a pve game with pvp as i don't want to say an afterthought but kind of an afterthought a game mode that exists but isn't really a focus i don't know it's just i feel like i've had this combo so many times with so many different people it's and there's nothing new to say and because there's nothing new to say, it becomes repetitive. It, and, and it's not anybody's fault that it, it is like this, aside from Bungie themselves. And whenever they do make changes, if they make changes, I really hope they knock it out of the park. Otherwise, people are going to hold their feet to the fire and be like, what have you been doing this whole time? And why did you do it this way if it's very clear you don't care about it? They have a lot to answer for on, on, on that side of things, even though I know you're a half glass, you're glass half full kind of guy. It's still pretty unacceptable for, for the, uh, an entire section yeah. of the game to go completely neglected. Same with Gambit. The Gambit rework was terrible. Everybody knows it. And it makes you wonder, what did they do exactly? What was the ethos here? Is it just lip service? I don't want to really talk too much about this side of things because I'll get very emotional. Um, and I'd rather not say something out of turn that's unwarranted because I do yeah. greatly respect everybody at Bungie and I respect the, the hard work they put in. I'm close friends with a few of them um, and I don't want to shit on their team. So I'm going to hold my tongue. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's tough. You know, a game that you're playing for eight years, going on nine years now, it's crazy. And going through so many different iterations of the game, going through different teams, different evolutions of the game, going through a lot of ups and downs. You know, I mean, it's that's part of the journey that we're on. Um, and I, I agree. I mean, I think Crucible definitely needs a lot more than what it has been getting. Um, I hope it becomes a better experience, but uh, only time will tell but uh beyond the crucible we know that earlier this year sony acquired bungie 
really unexpected for me. I did not expect for Sony to strike a deal to literally buy Bungie. And I'm, I'm curious, being there from the very beginning, going from Bungie breaking up with Microsoft, I mean, that was really, really monumental back then for them to really come out of that publishing deal. Um, starting Destiny with Activision, leaving Activision, largely i would say because of a lot of things that sony and playstation brought to the table the exclusivity that existed from with sony and everything else i'm i'm curious what do you both think about this acquisition long term beyond the money is this going to be a good business decision in the next 10 years yes because taking the view that they they took they they backed out of activision they backed out of microsoft as a fund and then questioning this from that perspective it's a fundamental misunderstanding of what this deal is and and how business actually works the reason they took this deal is because they retained full autonomy they've got a huge capital injection which helps them to expand to create media transmedia which is like anything that isn't destiny but and anything is in a video game, but they want to do Destiny 2 stuff, so like comics or books or movies or films or whatever. So they have the capital for that. They get to give everybody bonuses. They get to pay everybody better. They get to take care of their employees better. Basically, the deal as it stands, to what I understand, is that Sony came to Bungie and say, hey, we're big fans of you. We like what you do. Keep doing it. Here's some money. All we ask in return is a, is a cut of the profits. And Bungie's just like, okay, cool. We make hand over fist anyways. This will work. So I think for that reason, it's going to be a very, very good acquisition. As long as Sony don't interfere and as soon as Sony stay put where they are, this will go down swimmingly. And, and you just know after what happened with Activision and what happened with Microsoft, that Bungie definitely has termination clauses that refer to interference. There's no way in hell they signed a contract with Sony and handed over the keys essentially to the ownership without having a get, get out clause. That's just good business sense. That's what their legal team would have told them to do. It's going to be fine. And I don't think anybody who's saying, and anybody who's saying it's not going to be fine, I feel like they don't have enough business experience to realize what's actually happening here. That's my thoughts. Mm. 
Yeah. Yeah, you know, a, a part of me definitely agrees that Bungie wouldn't really create any agreement without any clause that allows for them to have that creative control and, you know, the freedom to operate as they need to. My concern is that it wasn't this, this, the type of deal where it's like, oh, we're going to publish and you'll get a percentage of the revenue. This was a straight-up buyout, which makes me wonder, can there be a contract that extends indefinitely to allow for Bungie to operate the company as they wish if, let's say, five years down the road, something happens and, let's say, Bungie wants to do one thing, Sony wants to do another, where does that balance come if sony ultimately owns bungie there's so i think there's no chance that they agree to to a full full buyout wherein they lose any sort of autonomy and then autonomy basically is the decision to make your own decisions it's it's the it's the uh the free will as it were and it seems like bungie have been expressing that free will unimpeded since the acquisition and there's no reason to suggest they won't do that moving forward essentially it's a subdivision of of sony studios um so whether they like it or whether sony likes it or not they're separate entities and they have to be considered as two separate companies so if there's any sort of uh change in directive or or change in creative vision or whatever there has to be a communication there has to be a dialogue otherwise it won't happen um either from sony or from bungie themselves so really like all of these differences in opinion and all these differences and like people will have differences in agenda always that's just business the most important thing is that as long as they have a clear healthy line of communication they talk frequently they check in on each other you know, like a good relationship really uh they should be okay i'm i'm oversimplifying it massively and i'm not a business expert or a you know economics or, or i don't have a mba or anything like that uh so i'm I'm largely talking on my ass but i can't imagine that you're ever going to be in a situation where there's an impasse where sony wants to do something and bungie's going to want to do something else unless it was related to like their movie the movie business because that's very much sony's domain All really great points. 
you know, I, I think Bungie definitely um, was smart in how they arranged their agreement. I'm not a uh, economist either, and I, I don't know how these type of legalities work. Um, but I'm sure that, you know, they ironed out a lot of those details and we can see a lot of hiring going on. We have seen that before the acquisition, but especially now it's happening even at a more frequent rate, which is really interesting to see. Um, and we mentioned Destiny 3, so I'm wondering, do you all think we are going to get a Destiny 3 after Lightfall, or is no. Destiny 2... It. No, they said they said they'd be continuing Destiny two for the foreseeable future. So for that reason, I don't think we're going to get a Destiny three anytime soon. Well, they're not, they weren't making a Destiny 3 then, but like 2025, 2026, is there a potential for there to be a point where a Destiny 3 comes to life? Because, I mean, we know that we have the plan for the next few years, up until Lightfall at least, but let's say a year after Lightfall, two years after Lightfall, will destiny to still be the core of what we're playing it'll, it'll evolve like it evolved with the beyond light i don't see a reason to suggest that it wouldn't That's, you know, and they, they put a lot of investment into Destiny 2 just as a game. So I definitely think that it's something we're going to continue to see. I would imagine at least for the next three, four years. I think after that, technologically, we may get to a point where the engine that they're building on warrants for them to use newer technologies. But I definitely think for the foreseeable future, Destiny 2 will be the sandbox that Bungie is investing in for years to come. So, before we dive into the TWAB, I know that we're just a few short weeks away from the Solstice event this year. 
And I'm curious, what do you both hope to see this year with Solstice? Do you have any hopes and wishes for this year's event? All right, before we go any further, um, I just wanted to ask, uh, how long did you expect to for this to go on for? Because I actually do have some commitments to go on. Um, yeah. Um, so, Twab, probably 15 minutes. I'm going to go through pretty quickly through all the items on that. So I would say another 15, 20 minutes max. Okay. I only actually have like five, 10 minutes left. Okay. Then I have to go. Uh, no problem. No worries. Um, so what I'll do is um, we can just finish up this segment and then we sure. can just have you uh, let everybody know where we can learn more about you. And I'll edit sure. that into the final segment uh, and I can finish up with sure. Uh, arc sure um okay so would you sorry sorry to interrupt no, um, no problem no problem at all and thank you for thank you for noting that i appreciate you uh yeah. you know pointing that out um but yeah so um to wrap up the conversation uh, about the state of destiny what do you all hope to see in solstice this year i just hope to have an event that's fun I guess like solstice is one of those events that I have no expectations for much like guardian games and um, like festival of the lost. They sort of just filler, aren't they? Like they're kind of fun for what they are and that's it. They're not, they're not core staples of the destiny Two experience. If you got rid of them next year and I don't think anybody would miss them. Uh, so I just hope that they make it worth our time. That's all. Well said. Yeah, I think I think for me, I'd love to see you know armor that is useful throughout the year. I find that I would grind for solstice armor, and then I wouldn't really use it, so it makes the overall grind a little bit less worth it. So I think giving us better rewards and more incentives would definitely make it more worthwhile. Um, and just reducing the grind, because I remember like in past events, we would have to play quite a bit in order to get all three characters leveled up. I'd like to see that be toned down a bit. Guardians, uh, before we move on to the next segment, Ascendant Nomad does have to uh, 
leave us for the evening. But Ascend Nomad, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you very much for having me. It was yeah. very, very interesting to talk to you both um, yeah. and to get your opinions and everything. Thank you for having me again. And uh, yeah, it was fun. It was such, such a pleasure. And before we let you go, where can the Guardians learn more about you and what you do? So I'm pretty much exclusively on YouTube these days. So YouTube me, Ascendant Nomad, just as it sounds, it's on the title of the video and the, the VOD and everything. Um, and then if you really want to hear what I have to say about everything, I'm on Twitter as well, though I do, I, I warn you, I tweet a lot about Formula One, uh, and you will see pictures of baked beans on occasion. So yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And, uh, it was such a pleasure to have you on and to learn more about your journey in the Destiny community. And we wish you all of the best in your uh, journey. And we're excited for more YouTube videos and content from Thank you. you. Thank you very much. And uh, best of luck with the show. And uh, yeah, once again, thanks for having me. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. And Guardians, you can find the Destiny Show podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and every major platform. You can find us on the web at destinyshow.com. You can find us right here on Twitch every week, uh, Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, twitch.tv slash The Destiny Show. You can also find us on Twitter at The Destiny Show and on Instagram at Destiny Show Podcast. And Guardians, thank you so much for joining us tonight on The Destiny Show Podcast. And we hope you have an awesome week. And we will see you at our side. Good night, everyone. And